the world of a, of a high school student getting ready for college uh, can be a stressful world. The essays that have to be written and the scholarships that have to be applied for, uh, waiting for that letter from a university to say yes or to say no causes great anxiety. And, and that's been, that's not a new trend, that's been a, a trend that's happened for a while. Even 10 years ago, there were two gentlemen, Dave and Wayne. Dave and Wayne both applied to the university of their choice through the early admissions process. They wanted to get in, get done. Dave got the letter back that said, you've been accepted through the early admissions. Wayne got a letter that said, you're going to have to wait until regular admissions. Now their life, in a lot of ways, is similar. They went to the same school. They pretty much had the same classes, same workload. They hung out, by and large, with the same group of friends. But after those letters came in, things became different for the two of them. Dave, who had been accepted into the university, uh, joined a band, a garage band, with some of his friends. Started playing his guitar that he loved and just really never had time to. He started to rock climb, which he had done a little bit, but started spending a lot more weekends out rock climbing. Fell in love with it so much that he partnered with some people in his community to start rock climbing classes for underprivileged kids in their community that would never be able to do that. And 10 years after his graduation, that program was still in existence. Now Wayne, on the other hand, who got the we'll have to wait and see, buckled down with some extracurriculars. Not extracurriculars that he actually liked, but extracurriculars that he thought would look good on the, on the college resume that would have some, some coaches and some adults who could write letters of reference that explained how great Wayne was and why Wayne should be able to get into that school. And he eventually did. But as they graduated, they both told two different stories. Dave's last year, he said, was the greatest year of school. He said, I, I got to do the band. I got to do rock climbing. He said, my grades actually went up because I stopped stressing so much. Whereas Wayne reported back, he said, it was one of the most difficult years of my life. And you know the reason? Because one of them experienced freedom. One of them said, you're in. One of them got the letter that said, you're a part of this college now. We're not going to go back on that. You don't have to worry. And he went, man, that's fantastic. I accomplished my goal. And I'm going to step into what it's like to be a senior in high school and to be free. Whereas Wayne still had that burden over him. If you're not quite there yet. We, we love freedom. I mean, we can throw a good 4th of July celebration, can't we? Right? I mean, we love, Fourth, we love Veterans Day. We love Memorial Day. We love celebrating uh, our soldiers who fought and put their lives on the line for us. But I want to suggest to us that, we, you know, we, as much as we say we love it, we probably take our freedom when it comes from a country standpoint, we probably take it for granted. I mean, those celebration days, we think about it. But the other days, the other days, we just live life like we're used to our freedom. I was reading some things about what it's like to live in North Korea from people who have escaped from that regime. And they say that, it's an, that it is incredible that there's propaganda all the time that there are radios that, that will not turn off. And so all day long you get radio broadcasts talking about how fantastic the country is, how great the leadership is. And, and they even say things that are uh, uh, kind of crazy. They talk about Kim Jong and that he invented the hamburger. I mean, that's like the propaganda. And that Kim Jong is the greatest golfer in the world. Things like that. that those are little things that have been told. 30% of the elementary education for a child in North Korea is about the Kim family. And if you don't like that, well, then you're in trouble. Because there's no protesting. 
In fact, children at an early age are indoctrinated with this truth that if someone is a dissenter, you turn them into the government. And so you don't have to worry about protests and riots. You have to worry about what you say to your spouse because your spouse very well likely turn you into the government. And they're not going to come get you in the dark of night. They're going to come get you for the work camp in the middle of the day so that everybody can see it. Treason is punishable by death up to three generations. American movies that we take for granted are black market in North Korea. And if you're found with an American movie, it's also punishable by death. Don't you love your freedom? Right? I mean... We don't think about that. We don't, we don't we, that doesn't even cross our mind except on those, on those holidays. You know, it does cross our mind, and we have experienced this, financial freedom. I mean, some of you are living it, and the rest of us are just chasing you to get there. That's where, I mean, we, we want to get there. We want to be able to go, you know what, I think I'll sleep till noon today because I don't have to do anything else that I don't want to do. I mean, we love, we're, we're trying to get those 401ks there so we can look at the boss one day and go, it's been real, I'll see you later. And, uh, I'm financially free, finally. I mean, I'm not. I'm saying we're looking for that. That sounded, I'm quite a ways from that. You've experienced those sometimes, maybe paid off a credit card debt, paid off a student loan, paid off a car, and all of a sudden, like, like your, your world changes, doesn't it? I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, just paying off a car, and all of a sudden you go, we have an extra $500 a month that we don't know what to do with. Uh, you know, we're, we're not used to this, and we feel this sense of freedom. There's this accomplishment when we write that final check and, and pay off that debt. We love that feeling, that financial freedom. And then we have spiritual freedom. We have freedom that, that Jesus came and gave us through his death on the cross. Freedom that, that we, you see, before Jesus, we weren't free. We didn't have a choice. We were slaves to sin. That's what the scripture teaches us. And, and everyone in this room has experienced we, we didn't have an option. Our, our master was ourself and our sinful desires, and we became train wrecks. And, and we, were, we were enslaved to sin, but when Jesus came, he brought for us spiritual freedom. And all of a sudden, we didn't have to bow at the knee of self, and we didn't have to bow the knee to slavery. We were able to bow the knee to the creator of the universe, to God, to, to his son Jesus, and say, man, I want to experience the life that you've created for me. And, and freedom is this incredible spiritual existence that we should have but some believers some believers get uncomfortable with too much freedom they get uncomfortable with grace and so what they start doing is we start kind of putting in some some rules along the way they go well here's what you need to do to 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 really be safe I have a I have a family member lives in another state and they go to church, and, and their church has a school, and, and my aunt works, or had at one point worked for the school. They have uh, a, a law, a rule of their church that you're not allowed to go to the movie theater. Now, you can watch movies in your own home, but you're not allowed to go to the theater. Now, I don't know why. I don't know if paying $15 for a bucket of popcorn is bad stewardship, and that's the sin that's involved. I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know what it, I don't. I don't know what, they're not allowed to go to the movie. If you work for the school and you go to the movie theater, you're, you have effectively resigned from your job. My uncle, who goes to the church, sings in a gospel quartet. He's not allowed to sing in his church with his gospel quartet because the beat and rhythm of some of their songs does not match what Jesus taught about beats and rhythms. 
which I, I haven't found yet, but it's somewhere there, I guess. Not Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, I've scoured it. I don't see it. But, but here are these rules and these expectations that if we're going to follow Jesus, you have to do these things. But real spiritual freedom comes with grace and says, you know what? Grace means that I'm going to chase after Jesus and I'm going to love him and I'm going to love people and I'm going to experience that freedom. That I'm going to read my Bible not because I have to, not because if I cover a certain number of chapters, I'll be on this side of the right line instead of this side of the, on the wrong line. I read my Bible because the word of God is breathed out by him and it's got, it's got instructions for my life. It's a love letter to me. And I want to see what the creator of the universe has to say to me. I don't read it because I have to. I read it because I want to. I don't pray because I imagine God telling up three times a day on his mat facing east, got all three of them in, good for you. I pray because I have the opportunity to talk with God and I have the opportunity to hear from God, not because I have to, because I want to. I give, I give not out of guilt. I give because God gave so much to me. And let, let me say this. Last Sunday, we watched a video uh, about Windshape, one of our children's camps. And if you weren't here, it was a video about a girl from our community, a young girl in Georgetown who had to have a scholarship to be able to come to Windshape. It's $204 for a kid to go to Windshape. And she didn't have that with our Boys and Girls Club. Somebody scholarshiped her. She came to Windshape. She met Jesus. Her life was changed. And I'm telling you, I wasn't ready for this. I'm watching the video. And then all of a sudden, the music in the video changes. It's all like happy. And then all of a sudden, like it gets kind of, you know, sad music and I'm going to wait what's going on this is, they're about to pull the rug out from under me and we find out in the video that this young girl last year lost her life but that today as we're looking through the word in the second Galatians she is with Jesus because somebody in this church wrote a check for $200 for her to go to Windshape I'm, I'm crying during the offering sitting right here and we get up and at the end of the service we're talking to people. We're like usually the last people out of the service. We're talking with friends and things like that. And my wife comes up to me and she says, hey, there's some kids from Carver where our, our kids go to school. And we've partnered with that school as a family strategically because it's a lower socioeconomic school. And she said, there's some kids from Carver I know that, that are, they're on there for that scholarship stuff. And she said, you know, we need, to, we need to grab one. And I laughed at her. And I said, man, we had a 930 service and an 11 o'clock service, everybody's gone except for the 15 of us. There is not going to be one of those scholarship things left after that. I mean, I mean, I'm, th 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 no way. Until I walked to the back, saw a table full of kids. And I'll be honest with you, I was grieved. We have people that have just given $500 and $1,000 for teenagers to go to Poland. We have people that give much. We really do. This church is a, a blessed church and blesses children and teenagers. But I'm telling you, I, I was brokenhearted. And I'm not saying this to pat myself. We grabbed a couple of them. A couple of kids that my kids knew and said, I know them. Because I want them to hear about Jesus. Because what Jesus has done for me. I didn't give because I was sad of a tragic story. I didn't give because I felt guilty. I gave so that kids could hear about a God who has given so much to me. 
And I'm going to say this. We sh- we sh- some of us should be ashamed. Not all of us, because some people are givers. And if that makes you uncomfortable, if you're offended by that, let me tell you who's not offended by that. The people who give. The people that give are like, absolutely. Preach on. Keep going. Forget Galatians. Let's hear some more. Because God has given so greatly to us. I want to. And I don't serve. I don't serve because I have to. I serve because I experience the blessing of God. And I experience the freedom of God when I'm serving other people. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to hear what Paul says. Because if I were in your shoes... I wouldn't trust anything that I say. So we're going to see what the inspired word of God says. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So let's, let's get some context here. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Galatia. Now Galatia is in modern day Turkey. And if you got on a plane and flew from the middle of modern day Turkey to Jerusalem, it would be about a four hour flight. But this is being written in a day where there is no air travel. So this is a great distance between two countries. And, and in the midst of that are political differences, There are religious differences. There are cultural differences. And Paul has journeyed to Galatia to tell the Gentiles, anybody that wasn't a Jew, about Jesus. And people have have surrendered their life. They've been freed from sin and they have chosen to follow Jesus and, and to make him Lord of their life. But the tension that exists in these two different cultures is there are some Jewish Christians who grew up with a Jewish training who have said, you know what, that's great. We're we're excited that the Galatians have have become believers, but they're not they're not living like we live. They're not keeping the rules that we keep. They're not doing all the things that we did, we've, we've done as the people of God. And so Paul's in this tension of explaining freedom and, and telling them, listen, when Jesus came, Jesus was a game changer. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus came, and, and when he died on the cross for the sins of mankind and was resurrected from the dead to defeat sin once and for all, When Jesus became that blood sacrifice, he became the Passover lamb. And so we're not not concerned about the the actual Passover lamb anymore. We have the lamb of God who gave his life for the sins of his people. And Paul's telling the people, he says, listen, the, the law is no longer this banner that rests over your life. Jesus is the banner of your life. The law doesn't determine how righteous or unrighteous you are any longer. Jesus is the only picture of what righteousness is. And if you have Jesus, you have righteousness. And all of these rules and all of these laws, they don't matter if we're doing the new law, which fulfills the old law, which is to love God and love people. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love God and love people... All the commandments and all the prophets rest on this. You'll cover everything that God desires for you to do to be in an in, in a incredible, freedom-experiencing relationship with him as you love God and you love people. But there's this tension. And people were afraid. Jewish, Jewish believers were afraid because they're going, if you, keep, if you keep talking about freedom, people are going to get a little out of control. People are going to get a little crazy. When, when they discover that, that Jesus has forgiven their past and their present and their future sin, it's, it's going to go nuts. 
I mean, people are going to be like, hey, where there's more sin, there's more grace. So you know what? I'll cheat on my taxes. And I'll cheat on my spouse. And I'll abandon my kids because grace covers it all. I don't have to worry about it. And Paul, Paul addresses that. And Paul goes, in other letters, he says, absolutely not. You remember last Sunday, Pastor Kevin was talking. He gave that illustration about a neighbor who, who sometimes, you know, might mow over your property line. And it makes you mad. I checked. It is not his li- literal neighbor. I asked. Uh, but, you know, he talked about that. And I'm, people are resonating with that. You know, what, what their fear is, is that somebody goes, well, you know, somebody mows into my yard and makes my lawn look bad. Burn their house down. Grace abounds, Right? That's what people are afraid of. They're like, Paul, you can't say things like that. And so Paul comes back and he says in verse 13, he says, for you were called to freedom. You've got to experience freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Your freedom isn't about, hey, I can do whatever I want now. Your freedom is being free from sin so that you can follow and, and, and kneel under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You're free from having to worry about, have I kept all the rules? Have I read enough of my Bible to make God pleased with me? Have I prayed enough to make God happy with me? Have I given enough? Have I served enough? I don't know. And so God, this weight and this burden, I've got this law and I've got to check. I did this and did this and did this and did this. And he says, listen, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And the checklist will take care of itself. And live in freedom and live in grace. But then Paul tells us this, and this is what I love. You want to experience it? You want to know what that's like? He says, but through love, the law of love, through love, serve one another. Your freedom's not about yourself. Your freedom's not about, well, now I can do whatever I want to make myself happy. I'm free now and I can experience the blessing and the freedom of God through serving other people. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We experience freedom. We experience the blessing of God when we sacrifice self and step into selflessness. When selfishness is killed and selflessness is raised up. It says, my freedom is for you. My freedom is for my community. My freedom is for my neighborhood. And I'm going to go love them well because God has loved me well. It's when we begin to experience what freedom really means. So how do we do that? Because we don't do it just by sitting here. It's difficult to serve when we're in a pew. I'll give you a couple of thoughts. Now, let the Holy Spirit do whatever he wants. But here's some thoughts as you're praying through this. One, you love where you live. Sound familiar? Sermon series from a couple of months ago. Doors up around our worship centers and our buildings to remind us that God has placed us in our neighborhood for a purpose. He's placed us where we live to love people. And how do we love people? By serving them. It wasn't just a sermon series where we could all high-five ourselves and we threw a block party and we're done. Maybe we'll come back and address it next year and get some new stories. No, it is a lifestyle that because God has poured into me, because God has blessed me and because God loves me, I'm going to turn that blessing and that love out onto my neighbors. And I'm going to blow them away by loving well where I live. So if you're going, well, how do I serve? Okay, what do you want me to do? Look around you. When you go home today, if you don't know your neighbors by now, you're a little bit behind in the game because we were supposed to do that several months ago. 
Now that you know your neighbors and you're getting to find out who they are and you're getting to find out what needs they have and how you can pray for them and how you can love them well, then you step into this week and you go, you know what? We haven't really done it. We've kind of left that. How can we love somebody in our neighborhood well? Here's the second thing you do. You serve through this church. There are things happening in here that serve this community and our state and our nation and our world that I know nothing about. And I'm here all the time. There's just so much stuff. We're part of an incredible body of Christ that loves well. You have all kinds. If you go, I don't know how to serve. I don't know how to get involved. Man, they're, they're, send an email. We'll connect you to somebody like Charles in our office or somebody who does, helps us with our mission things. We'll, we'll, you, there's pl- there are plenty of needs. Start serving through your local church. I love the story of, uh, of this church in Compton, California, that did something similar to our first serves that we do uh, at the end of the summer. And then Compton, California, this guy is part of his church, and he's walking down to a house that about 50 of his church members have all gathered out to do this kind of big remodel of the house. And they're all in these bright yellow T-shirts for their, uh, for their church, and they've been coming and going all weekend long, uh, some people even before getting prep work done to, to help this house and this neighborhood and this family. And one of the church members is, who tells the story is walking towards the site because he's working in the afternoon. And as he's, as he's about a block away or so, he sees another family that's just in the neighborhood. And, and the wife is tending to some roses. The husband's weed eating. They're out on their Saturday, after, Saturday morning. And the guy stops along the way because the lady's standing by the fence. And her roses look beautiful. And he just starts, stops to talk to her to tell her about it. And he says, you know, your roses are... It's beautiful. And they, they kind of chit-chat for a minute. The husband sees out of the corner of the eye this guy talking to his wife, shuts off his weed eater, makes a beeline for him. The guy's wearing this bright yellow, you know, first serves type shirt. The guy makes a beeline for the gentleman from the church, and he points at him, and, he, and this is what he says. I love your heart. And he looks down at the, at the road where the, the people have been working. I love your heart. How do I get a heart like that? Seriously? That never happens to me. Never. <laughs> I mean, that guy just like teed it up. Here's the tea. Here's the gospel. Here's a bat. Hit it as hard as you can. That, I, not, that's not who I get. I get the guy that we start talking. He's like, so you literally believe that all the animals got on the ark. You know, and I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, that, that's the guy I get. I don't get the guy that goes, how do I get a heart like that? And, and he begins to share the gospel and what Jesus has done in his life. Opportunities like that happen. When you send a couple of teenagers during Clyde Impact Weekend over to Laundries of Love, which, by the way, is an ongoing ministry of our church, and they go with some quarters, and as people come in on a Saturday to wash the clothes, they go, hey, can I just pay for your laundry? And they put their quarters in and pay for the person's laundry. Here's how genius this is. You don't leave your clothes. So our teenagers and people from our church sit and just share life with people. And spiritual conversations happen. And lives get changed. You don't have to go looking. If you can't find some place in your, maybe you live out in the country, you don't have any neighbors, you're like, you know, a mile from the nearest person. Then you, number two, serve through your church. We've got plenty of places. Here's the third thing. Find what you're passionate in and go serve there. I mean, no, no more excuses. Where you live, where you worship, what you love. I mean, if you love to hunt and fish, guys, there, there are probably some underprivileged kids in our, in our communities that you could go teach how to hunt, that you go teach how to fish. And not only are you invest in the lives of some teenagers, you might be giving a single mom a Saturday afternoon where she can breathe for a moment. You might be getting a relationship built where you can share the gospel, 
where you can invite to church and, and because she trusts you, what you've done with her kids, that they, they start coming and hear the gospel and their life is forever changed. You like to read? Start a book club. Not here. We don't need a book club. I think we have one already, so we don't need another. Start one in your neighborhood. Read some books that your neighbors like, and when it's your turn to pick one, pick one that has some Christian uh, themes through it. Or really blow their mind and go, we're going to read this thing called the Bible. That's the book I pick. Um, they'll probably leave your book club at that point because it's just so big. But now spiritual conversations are starting in your neighborhood through the books that you're reading together. You like the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, if you follow Jesus, you have to. I mean, there's no options in that. I mean, start a home group. Start a home group and invite your neighbors, some people you work with, and say, hey, I want you to come. We're going to watch a football game together. We'll eat lunch together. Um, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to DVR it because at halftime, I mean, it's not a bait and switch. Tell them ahead of time. At halftime, we'll pause it, and, and we're going to take a, a couple of verses out of the Bible, and we're going to read and talk about what it means during halftime. And if we run a little bit long, we'll have a DVR. We'll, we'll catch up, and we'll catch the end of the game before it's over. You like seeing kids' lives changed? There's a children's ministry to be involved in. There's a youth ministry to invest your life in. I know in the youth ministry, we're going to be looking for about 60 adults to mentor teenagers next year, to meet with them twice a month and, and, and pour their life into them. Find out what you love and go do it. I have two guests I'm going to introduce you to in a second. Before you do, I want you to see, because we're talking about serving and we're talking about experiencing freedom and we're talking about experiencing blessing. I want you to see before I invite these two students up here, I want you to see what, what you did this week. And I say you, some of you go, well, I, I didn't do that. I didn't get a green shirt. You did because you pray for our teenagers. Some of you have wristbands. You give. And you make some of these things happen. It's the slides that I, that I gave. I want, I'll just read this. This weekend, Friday and Saturday, we made over 550 cookies for first responders, homebound members, Oak Ridge Disciple House, sanitation workers, Starry Foster Care. Put on a carnival for families at Carver Elementary School, which is a school that our church has adopted. One of the two lowest socioeconomic schools in our community. Not only did we do a carnival for those, fam those families, but we raised... $1,255 that we gave back to the school. We made 512 bags for backpack buddies. That's enough for over a month. We raised $2,000, and some of you helped us with the garage sales. $2,000 that's going to Jill's house, a, a respite care ministry for families who have children with special needs. We paid for everyone's laundry all Saturday to be done at Laundry's of Love and had conversations with people in our community. Next slide. We bought and built shelves and organized for the locker. We helped Brookwood, which is a special needs ministry here in town, move and organize their new location. Sword and organized t-shirts for a family with an elementary child fighting cancer. Made cards for family elder care. Visited and wrote cards for homebound church members. Helped a single mom move. Landscaped and cleaned a cottage at the Texas Baptist Children's Home. Cut out supplies for teachers at our FBC weekday. Passed out snack bags. Fixed a fence and did gardening at Georgetown Square Apartments that we do ministry in. Cleaned out a senior adult's home. Helped at a garage sale for a church member dealing with the loss of her husband. Helped a church member who was taking care of an ill family member hang stuff in their house. Hosted an ice cream social at Park Place Nursing Home. Cleaned windows for a senior adult. Washed windows and cleaned a garage for a different senior adult. Spread mulch for a friend of a church member. Landscaped at the nest. Hosted a parent night out at Gerald Elementary School for 80, teen, 80 kids and their families. Hosted a parent night out here for Starry Foster Kids families. Cleaned up trash in the baseball field. Helped seven housing authority residents with landscaping and odd jobs. Helped 24 Mariposa residents with washing windows and odd jobs. Packaged and delivered snacks to city sanitation workers. Wrote prayer postcards to all the faculty and staff in several of our schools. Now listen, listen, listen. We're not, we're not clapping for those students. 
We're not clapping for those adults that, that, that man, did a yeoman's work to, to make that happen. We're clapping because we simply did that because that was a one Friday night and a one Saturday day response to a great God who's given us much. So before we clap for ourselves, we're only doing that out of an expression because Jesus Christ came and freed us from the slavery of sin and we have the privilege and we have the opportunity to serve other people and to love God and love people well. So what do you do? What do you do in response to the text? I want you to hear briefly. I want to invite uh, two of our students up. I lost our microphone. Which one? Oh, grab that microphone. Come up. This is Zach Ray and Claire McMahon. And I asked them last night, um, they, you, know, you know, people hate public speaking. So, you know, if you're a prayer warrior, they'd probably appreciate you praying real quietly for them right now. Um, I talked to them last night. I just, I just picked two. And the first two I called said, we'll do it. Uh, and so I, just, I asked them for about a minute. I'll give it Zach first. Let me give it Zach first. And, and, and talking about experiencing God. I said, Zach, what, what happened this weekend? Y'all come step forward up here to this light. Zach, I said, tell me, tell me what God showed you about who he is and what God taught you through serving other people. So take about 60 seconds and tell us what you told me last night. Well, for starting off, Brett said it really well. We have many, many opportunities to serve on a daily basis. And our whole youth department, anyone who participated, we had it easy. Uh, we were just given opportunities to serve. Um, I had the opportunity to actually be part of the Gerald Elementary, uh, the fair there. Uh, and that's where God really spoke to me that night. Um, there were two kids, there were uh, Dylan and Nathaniel, that they were very quiet and very shy, and they didn't want to be involved. Um, two girls had already tried to kind of crack their shell, if I may, um, and they couldn't get through. So they came to me and said, hey, be like a big brother to them. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, I got this, no problem. I failed. <laughs> um, in the moment, I realized that I couldn't just kind of like force my way into their shell, that, that just kind of made them harder, more like secure, like no, they just wanted to escape more. Um, so I realized I had to kind of back off. I had to just be a little bit more reserved uh, and allow them to kind of do their own thing with the same supervision and same desire to want to do them, or and same desire to want to serve them. Um, in that moment, God showed me that I can't fix people's problems, or I can't fix things that they don't want to do. Um, that it's, it's him who works in someone's mind, someone's heart, to change. It wasn't just that they were isolating from us big teenagers, it was from everyone. Uh, and that was something that we just had to kind of show them love, be like, hey, you wanna come do this with me? Maybe, okay, okay, if not, we'll just let you make your own decision. That was really kind of breaking for me. I know people come to me and talk to me a lot, but about different things, if there's something going on in their life, there's like, hey, I just need somebody to talk to. I, God reminded me very, very quickly last night, I can't fix people or I can't always help them with what they're doing, that God has to work in them for me. So how, how do you learn to trust God to do what God's going to do in people? You can learn it from a Bible study, or you can experience that blessing and that freedom from doing. Claire had a different experience. Claire's experience was kind of not what she learned, but what God did in her, her heart and life. Share with us real quickly. Um, okay, so the past couple months I've been kind of going through a spiritual battle. Just I haven't felt like the same, the desire for God in my heart, I guess, that I had once felt. Um, and so through serving people, I was that like flame reignited and I was just able to see like, it was just a reminder that I'm not placed here on earth to do what I want to do. I'm placed here on earth to do what God wants me to do. So I was just, it was really exciting because I walked in feeling so selfish, but I get to walk out feeling so selfless. So. 
Awesome. Thank you, guys. We just take that and put it right now, or we'll leave it up here. So let me close with this. Freedom is an incredible experience. Freedom is a great blessing that God has given to his people. But it all begins, it all begins with what you do with Jesus Christ. Because see, to think that freedom, if you think freedom is about now that I'm free, I can do whatever I want, you've been tricked in the same slavery that you were already in in the first place. That's the slavery to sin. I can do whatever I want, and it becomes a train wreck. We have the opportunity to be slaves to Jesus Christ. And this morning, I don't know where you're at. But if you came in this morning, your life has all been about self. Your life has been about trying to find freedom in various different ways. I want you to hear me when I say this. Freedom is found only in one person, and that's Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to invite you to make Jesus your Lord, to make Jesus your boss, and begin that journey of freedom.